Well, good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church Chicago. So if you're new with us, thank you for being with us. If this is your first Sunday, thank you for joining us today. I'm glad that you jumped in with us today. I hope your week has been well. And all of you guys that actually made it through the traffic of the marathon, y'all can pray for Tony because he's out there running that race. And that brother was trying to quit last week. So <laughs> y'all pray for him, all right? He's out there trying to run that race. So we're going to pray for Tony. And thank you guys for joining us this morning. I don't know about you guys. I mean, it's been a good week, but my, my heart has been kind of heavy this week. If you got our newsletter, you heard me probably say a little bit of that. It, it's, been a, it's been a crazy week, right? It's been devastating to have one of the worst mass shootings, you know, that actually documented in our history of United, United States of America happen this week right after our Sunday services, that, that night in Las Vegas. And then on top of that, you've had all these natural disasters, whether it be what's happening in Puerto Rico or all over the, the states in the south, southern end or the Caribbean. I mean, it, it's just a lot going on. You guys felt any of that? Your heart feeling heavy? I mean, as we grow as a deep and wide church, part of that wide part is to feel what's happening with our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Part of that is to join in with them and pray enter into some of the tragedy, enter into some of the things they're going to, and intercede on their behalf and just pray to the Lord and pray that he would come and make himself known, pray that he would give those people rest, pray that as they're grieving, they would have that space because people have lost a lot of loved ones. They've lost all their belongings. They've lost things that they may not ever get back. So in that moment, we pray that they would be able to do as we said in the song, come to me, come to Jesus because he's everything. So this is what I want to do. Before we go any further, would you guys just bow your heads? I just want to pray for everything that's going on. And if you're in one of those places where you're hurting, maybe you've lost one loved one, or I'd, we'd love to talk with you afterwards. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness, God. We thank you for space even to ask questions why. We thank you for just you, God. And even amidst the tragedy, we thank you that you're still God. God, I just pray that in the midst of this, all the questions and that you give us the rest that we need, give us the understanding that we need. And I pray that mostly that people would turn to you instead of turning away. God, I pray that the church would be the church in the midst of this, God, as I've seen numerous pictures of people coming together in prayer vigils and, 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 and preaching and, and loving on one another and crossing lines as we're going to talk about today, just really entering the relationships they wouldn't because of this, God. So through this, God, I pray that you have your glory. I pray that you will restore broken homes. I pray that you will restore relationships. God, we pray that, that, that you would show up and show out in only a way that you can in the midst of all of this and in the brokenness and division, God, that you would be God all by yourself and we would trust you and lean to your understanding and not our own. So God, be you and allow us to rest in you, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Continue to stay there. Pray for your brothers. Pray for your sisters. Don't just look at your social media feed. Read the news. See what's going on. Stay in touch. And like I said, myself and Pastor Luke, we're here. If you need prayer, if you're going through it, it's a heavy time for you. We want to pray for you. Amen? Amen. We want to walk with you and walk alongside you. Well, last week, we, we ended our Deep and Wide series. Did you, did you guys enjoy the Deep and Wide series? No, I was challenging, right? Nobody, no, no. 
right? It was a little, it was, it was challenging, huh? Even while it was good, it was good for me, it was good for my soul to just really go back to the, the early church and see how they did church and how the church started and see how out of that we should grow as a church and we should be as a church. So if you didn't, if you missed it, our vision series for this year and what we walked through deep and wide, check it out. It was two series last week. The one thing I do want to touch on, because here, here's the thing, God is growing our church. Things are happening here. We had 26 new people join our church through both services last week. That's awesome. That's something to celebrate. That is something to thank God for. He's doing an awesome thing. And, and as our church grows, we're just in our third year, and, and it, it's amazing to see all the things that God is doing. I do want to, as we're thinking about growing deep and wide, I do want to bring your attention to something we're going to do. I'm so excited about. Do y'all love your worship team here at Renewal? Yeah, it's, it's, they're doing an awesome job, right? They're doing a great job bringing us to the throne and allowing us to praise the Lord, maybe in new ways. Maybe you've never sang some of the songs, or you knew them, but you haven't sing, sang them the way we sing them. But God is doing an awesome thing here, this kind of multi-ethnic, multicultural worship. So on the 19th of October, we're going to have a worship night. It's going to be awesome. That night, for an hour straight, seven to eight, bring your family, bring your friends, bring your neighbors. We're going to fill this up, all right? We're going to come out and we're going to worship. If you have kids, bring them out. Let them run around. We're going to worship together that night. It's going to be awesome. So if you're in a group, I know that's Thursday night. Groups are not happening that week. So everybody come here, bring your neighbors, bring your folks in. It's going to be an awesome time of worshiping here that night. Support. And, 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 and what it is, is really, it's, it's, it's the picture of the early church coming together. It's them praying. It's them worshiping. And now we're doing the same thing as we come together on October 19th. So mark your calendars. That's a couple weeks from now. October 19th. If you want one of these, take them with you. Give them out to people around you. Pass out the word. We can give you the graphic. You can put it on your social media feed. We want to fill this place up, and we just want to worship together. Amen? Amen. Well, this week, we're getting into a new series. I'm so excited about this series. If you got a Bible, you can open up to Matthew 22 with me. Matthew chapter 22. This week, we're starting a series called Crossing Lines. Say Crossing Lines. Crossing Lines, it's the series that came out of, you guys remember the six series? Y'all remember the six? Good series. Was it good for you guys? Did you learn a lot? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Six series was good. So, but one of the, some of the feedback we got from the six series was that it, it revolved around this whole relational aspect, whether it be marriages, be orphans, widows, um, people that are not like you, whether that be racially or socioeconomically. How do I do life with them? So this is where crossing lines came about because we got to figure out how to actually cross lines and, and get into, and do life with other people that are different than us. And it's pretty integral to our church. It's pretty integral to how we grow as a church and go forward as we think about deep and wide, being a church that's deep and wide, because a big part of our growth is going to do with how we do relationships. It's going to do with how we actually engage people that are not like us. So it's this whole idea of crossing lines. So over the next six weeks or so, we're going to look at different relationships that we may encounter in our life, and we're going to ask this question, what does it look like to do life with another individual, or better yet, what does it look like to cross a line with another individual, whether, whether that be racial, gender, political, socioeconomical, friendships, parenting, marriage, the whole gamut. We're going to, we're going to walk through a lot of these different topics. Now, what does it look like for us to cross lines? See, crossing lines, though, friends, hear me, it, it takes a lot of vulnerability. It takes a lot of vulnerability, and sometimes the willingness to get hurt. The, the willingness to get hurt, and what I mean by this, a willingness to get hurt and vulnerability is because, here, here, answer this question. How many genuine friends, I'm not talking about just people you call your friends, but how many genuine friends do you have where you're not vulnerable with? 
Can you have a real friendship and not be vulnerable? I mean, it doesn't exist, right? Or, or better yet, how many genuine relationships or friends do you have that don't get on your nerves sometimes? Don't make you mad. Don't hurt you. Like, it, it doesn't exist, right? Some of y'all walked in here married today like, man, I don't like this person today, but you know, it, it happens. You, your best friends walking in here fighting and then you get in here and you're like, yeah, Jesus, come to me. But, but you, 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 you really didn't like each other. But, but those are real friendships. You're walking together, doing life together. You get on each other's nerves a little bit, right? That's, that's, those are those type of relationships. So here's the thing. There's a big difference, hear me, between associates and friends. There's a big difference between simply having a, a genuine love for someone or being their friend on Facebook. It's a big difference because here's the thing. We can talk all day about the racial disparity, socioeconomic divide, politics. We can have rallies. We can put up the picket signs all over the place. But change will only come through genuine relationships and loving your neighbor. Loving one another, crossing lines with other individuals. Let me put it this way. As a black man, dealing with the injustice of slavery and the history of racism in America, I don't desire for my white brother or sister to tell me sorry. Follow me. Because sorry really does nothing. The, the, the sorry doesn't replace 400 years of slavery and a slave trade and an injustice where in the slave trade millions of people were actually murdered that may not be documented. It doesn't replace that. And here's the thing, it doesn't, and just even today as a black man, the sorry, it doesn't take away the fact that it doesn't matter that I have a master's degree, I have a beautiful family, a house, and, and I pastor a multi-ethnic church, I can still be walking down the street and people still fear me because I'm a larger black man in the way I look. It, it doesn't matter, right? So hear me, the sorry is great, but the sorry does not do it. I mean, true relationships, hear me, take empathy. Takes compassion to where you're not just sorry for, you're not just sorry, but you want to get to know me for me. You want to engage me and cross into another land. You want to know my struggle, which in turn, it forces you to seek not your own betterment, but the betterment of someone else. Because now you're really crossing the line. But hear me, family, this does not happen without genuine engagement by each and every last one of us in this place. It doesn't happen with us without us intentionally being a people that, 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 that reaches across lines and, and seeks to engage people that are like us and that are different than us. Amen? So if you will, just open your Bibles with me before I get too carried away. In Matthew 22, Matthew 22 verses 34 through 40. This passage is going to serve as something like a thesis statement through, through our whole series. It's going to be the biblical verses that we'll use through this series. Uh, reason being is because as we talk about being this multi-ethnic, multi-generational, multicultural, gospel-centered, disciple-making church, I know it's a mouthful. I need you guys to understand that that's not just something cool that we came up with, but it's actually biblical. It's biblical. We see this in the text. So, so I, I don't want you to think that that's just cool. It's cool that we sit in a multi-ethnic church because here's the thing. Doing life with people that are different than you is hard. 
It's not easy at all. It forces you outside of your comfort zone. It forces you into relationships and to do things that you probably wouldn't do. It's not easy, but hear me, it's biblical and it's fruitful. See, the thing about it is when we get to heaven, we're going to see all different types of people, shapes and sizes, different colors all over the place. There's not going to be any division. So here's the thing. Why not have a little piece of that here on earth? I know there's division all over the place, but in order for us to do it, we got to reach across the line. we got to be intentional. Because when we get to heaven, it's going to look even more diverse than what we're sitting in right now. Amen? So let's get into the text today. Jesus teaches us here how to love him, that we love him and our neighbor. Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40. If you have it, why don't you stand to your feet with me, if you're able, as we read the word of God together. Starting in verse 34. The text reads, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets, the very words of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach on crossing lines. Say crossing lines. Crossing lines. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray simply right now, one prayer, that you would hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up. Decrease me so that you may increase. Father, have your way in this place. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And we said together, amen, amen. When in college, as some of you all may know, I started a college ministry that reached out to black students on campus. It was called the Impact Movement. And I intentionally wanted to integrate this ministry with the predominantly white ministry on campus, which was called Campus Crusade. And this was probably one of the hardest things I had ever done in my life up to this point. But the thing was, as I opened up the scriptures and I read the gospels and I read about Jesus Christ, he, as I looked at it, I, I was bothered because he didn't just talk about things, he didn't just think about things, but he was very intentional and he lived out what he thought and what he believed in front of people. So as I thought about leading this African-American ministry, trying to integrate it with a predominantly white ministry on campus, I said, well, well, well it's going to take a, a, a different level of intentionality to see the, the, the race barrier broken down. So it, it took a little bit of intention. So let me tell you about it. See, this intentionality here involved me, started going to a, a crusade Bible study. I go to a Bible study, it'd be me in a room with four of the white dudes sitting in the living room talking about the Bible. Talking about the Bible, we're, we're chopping it up, we're getting each other's lives. And then I took it to a whole nother level because I moved into a house with these four white dudes. It was a, a, a three-story house, four bedrooms. Check this out. We used one bedroom for a study quiet room where you could have time with God. We used another room for a desk where everybody was sitting in the room like the office. And then the upstairs room, it was two rooms that were actually conjoined by a small hallway, and we all slept in it. So essentially, we slept in one big old room, five dudes together. I know it may sound weird, but I was serious about this multi-ethnic thing. I mean, you, you got me, a black dude from Gary, Indiana, murder capital world, 
Then you got white guys from racist country, Indiana, all over the place, and then from the backwoods, suburbs, we all living in one big old house together. We're doing life together, we're eating meals together, we're keeping one another accountable. I mean, this is what our, our house looked like. I mean, it, it got so bad one time that, because we were close, but one of the guys brought his friend over the house. He didn't know me, right? And, he, and he's telling me this story like he does know me. He's like, man, I got to tell you about this dude, man. And, and he, 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 his hair was so nappy, you couldn't comb through it with a comb. And, and I was like, man, is the dude black or white? Was he, was he black or white? And I'm like, I don't know who he's talking about. And he said, man, his name was Jamal. What you think? I said, what? I said, hold up. You, you don't know me. I had to refrain from punching this dude in the mouth because he, he, he didn't know me, but he had crossed the line with me. He had gotten into my life on another level thinking that he knew me, but he was ignorant. So I, I left the house and I'm calming down outside for a few hours, calling people, telling them to pray for me because I don't want to knock this dude out. And I, and, I, and I go back in the house and have a conversation with him. He says, sorry about it. We're good. But it took my relationship with my roommates to a whole nother level. I mean, it was very fruitful. But see, the intentionality didn't stop with me because I would take our ministry into the Campus Crusade ministry and we would sit there and we'd do life together, we'd be singing songs together, and a lot of people were from the Gary Chicago, they'd be like, why we gotta go to the white ministry today? Why we gotta sing the white songs today? And, and the same people that would say those songs, after a few months would say, why don't we do more with them? Why don't, why don't they come to our meetings? Why, why don't we do life together? And here's the thing. God has been good because 11 years later, that ministry is still thriving. It's one of the largest of its kind in the United States. The leaders of both ministries still do life together, and the ministry as a whole is still partnering with each other, black and white. God is good. Now, friends, why am I telling you about this? Hear me, it's not to toot my own horn or pat myself on the back and like, Derek, you did a good job. That's not it. But here it is, family. Hear me, some lines should not exist. Some lines should not exist. But lines that keep us divided and from doing life with one another, hear me, they won't get crossed unless we intentionally step over them. They won't get crossed unless we intentionally step over them. They shouldn't exist, but we got to intentionally step over them. That's crossing lines. So, so as we enter this series, I want to challenge you to acknowledge those lines that you, have, you may have put up in your life, whether it be unintentionally or intentionally, whether it, it, it's to keep others out of your life or whether it's outside of your comfort zone or, or in it. Let us be a people that adhere to the Word of God and love Him and our neighbor. This is exactly what Jesus is commanding of us, of us believers here in the text right here. I love it. As we see in our text, there's a string of testing going on. There's a string of testing going on from the Sadducees. They were some of the religious leaders of the day. They're doing this towards Jesus. They're, they're trying to, to trip him up, catch him up in some heresy, try to get him to say something wrong. And they begin by asking him about taxes. You look at it with me, then, then, they, then he asks them about resurrection. And both times, Jesus responds, the crowd is astonished at his teaching. They can't touch Jesus. I mean, it's like hammer time. Can't touch this. 
Y'all don't even know who MC Hammer is, do you? Big pants, look them up. They tried to get Jesus, but they couldn't get him. They couldn't touch him. You just, you got to love how Jesus, though, in this text, in the face of testing or hard situation, he never falters, he never stumbles, but instead, he stands strong, he speaks truth, and the people can't argue with the truth. He doesn't give them what they want to hear, he doesn't candy coat anything he has to say, but he speaks truth, and they can't say anything. He states the truth. And this is exactly what we're going to see in our passage today because the the Pharisees are trying to do the same thing. They're trying to catch Jesus up. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus stands firm and he speaks truth. And I love the passage and how it begins. First verse, look at it with me because it says, the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. He put them on dead mouth. In other words, he made them shut up. This, this is almost like the little brother and going to the big brother like, yo, I tried to fight him, but he kept knocking me out and I get back up. I did. I got back up. He kept knocking me back down. I kept trying, but I couldn't do it. Big bro, I need your help. See, they went and got the big bros. They got the big boys now and the lawyer is coming out and he's going to bring some question to Jesus. He's going to try to test them. They're trying to get the big dogs now. Sadducees couldn't handle them. They, they couldn't handle Jesus. So they went and got somebody else. Now, friends, these lawyers that they're bringing into the picture are very much like the lawyers of today. The they're experts of the law. They were experts, and they knew all the answers. They could argue with the best of them. And he asked Jesus a question. Now, mind you, this is a question where none of the Pharisees or the Sadducees settled on an answer yet. They're still arguing about it. They're debating on whether this, what's the, what are the, 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 the lighter truths or what are the, the less important truths of the law, and what are the more weighty truths, what are the more important truths of the law. So they don't know this yet. They don't know the answer to this, but they proceed to ask Jesus. They ask Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And when they say the law, they're not talking about the Ten Commandments. They're talking about the whole Old Testament. What's the greatest commandment? And I love Jesus because he answers them back. Look at verse 37. Read it with me. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your what? your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus first states scripture from Deuteronomy 6, 5 about loving the Lord with all your heart, which these guys would have known. The Pharisees would have known exactly what he's saying. They would have believed this because they have to recite this verse twice throughout their whole lives because it represented total devotion to God. So they would have understood what he's saying here, the first part. But the second part, I think, would have boggled them a little bit because of what Jesus said. It's not because of what he said, it's how he said it. Because the love your neighbor part is not foreign to them. That's all throughout the the Old Testament. See, the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments is towards God. It's devotion towards God. But the last six, if you read them, it's talking about your relationship with other people. So this is not new to them. It's not new to them to love other people, but it's how Jesus said it. Because he's basically saying, you can't love me and not love your neighbor It's not okay. You can't love one and not the other. That's impossible. They don't go together. Now, you got to key in on this neighbor part, because who is your neighbor? Who's he talking about? Jesus says it in a way to the Pharisees where their neighbor may have been a Gentile. It might have been somebody that was a different race than them. But he says, love your neighbor. That would have messed them up, because Jews had no dealings with Gentiles. 
They were actually being persecuted by the Romans at this point. They they don't want to deal with them at all, but Jesus is like, love them. No, no, no. I'm not just for you because they thought the salvation was just for them. He's like, I'm for everybody. Love them. And on top of that, these are some self-righteous, self-absorbed Pharisees that he's talking to, and he's basically saying, this ain't about you. It's about everybody else. It's about loving your neighbor. See, what Jesus is ultimately saying is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just about upward devotion to God. It's not just about upward uh, reconciliation to God, but it's also about horizontal horizontal devotion to other people. It's the cross-shaped gospel. If you ever heard me talk about it, you see Jesus is hanging on the cross. There's two beams, one that's vertical and one that's horizontal. The vertical one represents vertical reconciliation or devotion to God through Jesus Christ, our faith in him. We're vertically reconciled to God. But the horizontal one with those nails in each one of Jesus' hand as he hangs on the cross represents horizontal reconciliation to other people, our neighbors. It's the cross-shaped gospel. Jesus himself models this on the cross when he's hanging there on the cross because he's hanging there and he's, he's submitting to the will of God. He's saying things like, Father, your will be done. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But then he hangs there with the nails in his hands and the thief is starting to talk to him, playing, saying, remember me. And Jesus looks over at them, the guy who has nothing in common with him. He sinned, Jesus has, and he says, you will be in paradise with me today. See, he, he's, he's modeling the cross-shaped gospel for us. That's what it looks like. Hear me. Friends, your relationship with Jesus is not about you and him only. But it's about you sharing your life. It's about you sharing your life with others. Hence, as you've heard me say over and over and over again, once you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's not about you anymore. But your life should be about sharing it with other people to hopefully make Jesus' know, his name made through name, name, name known, known all throughout the earth. It's not about you anymore. First John 4:20, it reads this. It says this: "If anyone says, "I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen." The point is that God commands believers to not just love him, but also for us to love our neighbors. So the question again becomes, who are our neighbors? Not the Pharisees, the scribes, who are our neighbors? Well, let's think about it. They're the black, the white, the Asian, the Latino, every race of people, they are the poor, the rich, and the middle class. They are the Republican and the Democrat. They are the prostitute, the homosexual, the transgender, the bisexual, and the straight. They are the orphan and the widow, the sex slave and the sex trafficker. They are the murderer and the victim. They are the guilty and the innocent. They are the good kids and the bad kids. Should I keep going? They're the crooked politician, the police officer, the lawyer, the businessman, and the veterinarian. They are the folks that are similar to us and that are different than us. They are you and me. That's our neighbors. But if we're honest, here's the thing, because I know as I read that list off, some of us in here, if not all of us, started to squirm a bit in our seats. Because some of the people that I listed off are very different, or they have a lifestyle or do something or are involved with something that we don't agree with. And here's the thing, family, all of us 
have done something that God does not agree with. We all have done something he doesn't agree with, whether we deem ourselves perfect or not. What God requires of us is perfection, it's holiness, and all of us, I don't know how good you think you are, but we've all missed that mark. We're not perfect, we're not holy, so it puts us all in the same category as the people that we think are different than us, or, or we think are lower than us. See, see it, we may not agree with them, but we're all in that same category because we've all, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short. Hear me. When Christ died, he leveled the playing field. He leveled the playing field because we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all done wrong, and, and we've all needed a Savior. And Jesus hung on the cross, not just for those that we deem as bad or who have done wrong or we look down on their situation or that are different than us, but instead he hung on the cross for the world because we all needed him. We all need him. See, and, and here's the point. We all, the whole world, is in need of Jesus, whether we deem ourselves as good or bad. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor, hear me. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's really saying to the believer, remember. Remember, you were in your sin too. Remember that you were in your sin too, and although you were in your sin and your situation may be different or your circumstance may be different, you were loved by me even in your sin. So you should love your neighbor as you have been loved. I don't think y'all heard me. Man, it, it, it's, the, see, it's the grace of God that saves us. It's nothing that we've done in our own power. It's only because of his grace and his choosing to save us, him loving us past our own good. In the midst of the depth of our depravity, he still chooses to say, I love you, I want you, and I want you with me. It's only his grace that saves us. Family, Jesus crossed the first line. He crossed the first line and he came to a world that did not want him. So for those of us in here that call him Savior and Lord, crossing lines to engage others that are different than us is not optional. But it should be the mark or part of the Christian life. Which friends, I, I know it, it's hard. I, I know that's hard. I, I know it's hard. But if we follow the first commandment that he's talking about here, where we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and, and, and our strength, we will follow him, which in turn we will do as he did, and we'll love the world. And we will do it just like Jesus did, praying and hoping that by us sharing our lives with other people, in turn people will come to know him. See, family, Jesus took the whole law in the Old Testament and he put it into two commandments and said, what I command it's for you to love me and your neighbors. Now, again, I know this is very difficult, but if we remember our sin, if we remember our mess as believers and the issues, family, here's the fact. The fact that, 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 that we've been saved by his grace is nothing we've done. If we remember that, we won't be able to look down on other people and their situations because they're different, because although their sin is not our sin, it's still sin. It's the same as ours, and we all need Jesus. It forces us to have compassion. It compels us to have compassion. If we love Jesus, it will compel us to have that and cross lines and enter into relationships that we normally wouldn't cross into. So I ask you, as we enter this series this week and through the next several weeks, what do your relationships look like in your life?
What lines do you need to cross? Do you do life with people that are different than you, or are they always the same? And I'm not talking about here on Sunday morning. I'm talking about throughout your life. I mean, if this is the most diverse place and the only diverse place in your life, we need to talk about it because that's, that's, that's not crossing lines. We've got to be intentional about it throughout our whole lives. Hear me, this is not always comfortable. It's not always comfortable. I mean, the Christian life is not comfortable. I mean, take this passage, for example. Here's Jesus hanging out with and allowing himself to be questioned by some dudes he does not like. These are Pharisees and Sadducees, and Lord, he, he doesn't really want to, hey, he doesn't really like them, but he's still allowing himself to be there, question after question, this whole chapter, just hanging out with them, sharing himself with them, sharing truth with them. Family, sometimes crossing lines is not easy, but we do so because Jesus crossed the line first. But see, the problem is we only really want to do life with those that are convenient or comfortable to us or relevant to our situation, going to take us up the ladder with him, and, and, and I want you to just think about it for a moment. I want you to think about it. What if Jesus had that same attitude? What if he had the same motivation? I'm only going to do life with the folks that are convenient to me, that maybe have something in common with me. Just think about it. We wouldn't even be here. No one, none of us would be saved. We probably wouldn't be sitting in his seats or on earth because the wages of sin is death. But he still crossed the line, intentionally crosses the line for us because he wants us to be with him. And he didn't choose to do it when it was convenient to him or comfortable, but he died. The ultimate crossing of the line. So, so ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself, what do your relationships look like in your life? Better yet, what does your inner circle look like? Who do you hang with? Who do you do life with? I mean, Jesus' inner circle, if you really pay attention to his inner circle, it's some messed up dudes. He had tax collectors in his inner circle. These are some of the most hated people in society. They stole money from people. He had fishermen in his crew. They were considered the bottom of the barrel in society. Then he had a prostitute who followed him around all the time that he saved in Mary Magdalene. I mean, this is Jesus' crew, so I ask you, what does your inner circle look like? Who do you do life with? Renewal, hear me. It is impossible to love God and not love your neighbor. If you don't love your neighbor to the point that you're able to share your life with someone that's different than you, then then looking at this passage, frankly, it basically tells us we really don't love God. We really don't love him. Friends, I know that's tough. But as we enter into this passage, there's a series of crossing lines, I want you to pray about and ask God, what, what lines do I need to cross in my life? Who are the people that are around me all the time, whether it be in my jobs or my neighbor next to me, or I play basketball with, all these things that I do? Who, who are the people that I need to, to engage with that I have not engaged? What lines do I really need to cross? Because friends, it's easy to claim Christianity and still do your own thing, but actually being a true Christian who lives for the betterment of others is very hard. Friends, if we want to see our church continue to grow deep and wide, which I believe we do, we've been talking about that through the last couple of weeks, it's going to take a movement of individuals 
taken their faith and Jesus' command to cross lines very seriously. If we want to see racism in, it's going to take crossing lines. If we want to see the socioeconomic divide come down, it's going to take crossing lines. If we want to see this world flat out be a better place, it's going to take crossing lines. Family, let us pray together that God would open our eyes to the needs of others that are around us and that, that, that we would walk as we walk through these next several weeks. I pray that we'll cross lines that we, we, we don't normally cross, that we'd engage people on different levels that we don't normally do. Pray that the Holy Spirit will prick our hearts in different ways to and compel us to have compassion on those that we wouldn't normally have compassion on. See, I'm looking forward to being challenged through these next several weeks with you, and I hope you are too. I, I, my prayer is that we would be a church that doesn't just stand on the line and look at our neighbor across the line or wait for somebody else to engage them or, or fear that, that we may be hurt if we're vulnerable or not let ourselves out. I, I, I pray that that wouldn't be us, but I pray that we would be a church that would step across the line. We'd be a people that steps towards people, not just looks at them where they are. That we cross lines. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.